Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. So this past summer, we bought some tickets uh, for a flight to Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were going to do an interview with one of our favorite authors and teachers, me and you and Karsten. We were on our way down. Three tickets. And unfortunately, uh, the person that we wanted to talk to, he got, got really sick. And we were going to Albuquerque with no one to talk to. And as much as I enjoy vacationing with Chris and Karsten, <laughs> uh, it we had, we had a job to do, right? And so we, we did a little research for people who are making an impact and changing the world in the neck of the woods uh, with, where they're planted, right? And, and we have this mission as a podcast to knock down walls with curiosity and conversation. And in the process, we discovered an org- organization called Generation Justice. Mm-hmm. And we took one look at their website, and you really seriously take a moment to do the same. We took one look at their website and fell in love with their mission. And then we spent one afternoon with with them and we fell in love with the people who make this thing a reality. Yeah, it was a, a great time. Uh, a little bit about them though. Generation Justice is a multiracial project that centers race equity to train youth to harness the power of community through leadership, media, narrative, and critical consciousness. Their mission is to inspire youth to become multidimensional leaders who are committed to social transformation. And in New Mexico, Generation Justice has been recognized as the premier youth media and leadership group and locally and nationally has been the recipient of numerous awards. We connected with director and founder Roberta Rael, as well as Nicole Beatty and Quincy Walker with Generation Justice last summer. We had such a good time learning from them and it made our trip to Albuquerque one to remember. So with that, welcome to Sandbox Cooperative, episode 79, Generation Justice. Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative. So glad to have you guys with us uh, with Generation Justice and would love it if you would introduce yourselves. So I'm Roberta Rael and I'm the director and founder of Generation Justice. Um, I'm a native uh, New Mexican Chicana and uh, Generation Justice has been around for almost 13 years. Cool. Uh, Hi, my name is Nicole Beatty. I have been part of Generation Justice since 2006, so I'm kind of a long-standing youth producer, alumni. I've been part of Generation Justice with their organization when they brought it to the University of New Mexico. Um, It's been my home away from home. It's allowed me to exist interdisciplinary. Um, And yeah. Awesome. Hi, my name is Quincy Walker. I come from the Soto Pueblo, and I've been in Generation Justice for about four months now, and I'm 16 years old, and I'm a junior. All right. Awesome. Very cool. Well, good to have you guys with us. I just want to ask generally, tell us about Generation Justice and, and what it is, what is the work that you all are, are doing? Generation Justice is a project that trains young people to harness the power of media. And so we train young people in media literacy and to produce media um, video, radio, and blogging. And then um, multimedia digital campaigns as well, but from a media justice perspective. And so um, we are a multiracial, multicultural organization, and a race equity 
lens is critical to media in the world today mm -hmm. and is rarely found. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the unique gifts that we give to New Mexico is that we help to shape the narrative of New Mexico from the actual voices and life experience of New Mexicans living it. We do not interpret people's stories. We listen to people's stories. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the gist of it. And um, Nicole, maybe you want to talk about like the experience of starting as a high schooler and maybe a little bit of that impact. Okay, um, so when I first started Generation Justice, um, very interested in STEM education, um, but didn't really know what else I was interested in life. I knew that wasn't it. And as mm -hmm. a African-American, Vietnamese, African woman of color, in the state of New Mexico being at the time, I think less than 1%. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know my standing if I existed in STEM or anything, or if I should even go to university. So I was the BSU leader at my high school at the time was like, hey, you're very smart. I was like, okay, you should call Roberta. I was like, I don't <laughs> know who this is. She's like, she does uh, youth radio and it's uh, bedded in social justice and I really think you'd enjoy it. Um, and I called her up and I had the interview and I've been actively partaking in it since and it's allowed me to stand in my power. Um, at the time, it, well at the time it still gives me a voice. It allows us as youth to have a platform to speak our stories, to share the people's stories. It gives us the opportunity to interview adults, um, which empowers us. Um, as youth, and I just felt like it was an amazing experience at the time when I was a high schooler. It, it empowered me, it encouraged me, it pushed me to not only move into STEMs, but also realize that I needed to exist interdisciplinary mm. um, to do STEM work, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, but also do social justice work um, that deals with racial inequity and inequality mm -hmm. at the University of New Mexico in the state of New Mexico. Um, so, yeah. Well, I'd like to say that I found Generation Justice, but Generation Justice found me. I was part of the March for Our Lives in March. Cool. Um, it was a nationwide event, but I was one of the speakers here in Albuquerque. And after I spoke, as soon as I got off stage, one of the members from Generation Justice pulled me aside and asked for me to be on the radio the next day. <laughs> and about four of them, after another, came and invited me. So I was like, all right, I guess I gotta go. <laughs> And the day after that, it, I was a guest and I had to re-speak my speech and I really had a fun experience and it was just like a way for me to speak my story and why I do what I do. And it was like a chance for me to be who I want to be and like tell people my story and where I come from. So it was a really good experience and that's how, I found, that's how they found me, Generation Justice. You talked about being able to articulate and tell your story uh, and, and, and Nicole, you talked about being able to if I heard you right, discover your voice in this. So it sounds like this is this is what Generation Justice does for for, for the young people uh, that work there. It was that your dream when you started it? Yeah. So the story, and I shared it today as we as I received this award. The story is um, that about twenty three years ago, I had lived in Arizona and I came back to New Mexico. 
And um, a little side note for those who don't understand New Mexico or know New Mexico is that many of us who are born in New Mexico, we have these magnets inside of us. And even though we might leave New Mexico for better pay and other career opportunities, there's this magnet mm. that continues to pull us back home. And so, 23 years ago, I was going through a divorce. I had a two-year-old child, and I wanted to be home. And I had been involved in the grassroots organizing community since I was 17. I had been involved in uh, nonprofit work for many years and been directing projects um, like in Arizona and, and in New Mexico prior. And so I was trying to be strategic and intentional in terms of I wanted there to be a community for my daughter when she was a teenager um, that would give her guidance. And I wanted to build leadership for New Mexico youth and give them some of the opportunities that I had because I had some very privileged education. So it was a strategic move to say, I am going to work with young people from here on out. This is my social justice work, is to invest in young people in New Mexico and to build leadership in New Mexico. And little did I know that really it was a higher power that was leading me to my life's work, mm -hmm. to the purpose of my life. And so in some ways, like Quincy was saying, Generation Justice found him, working with young people found me, and probably um, saved me in a lot of ways, and definitely made such a big difference in my daughter's life. Yeah. And um, so I have run various programs in New Mexico, and my work really has been kind of labeled as giving young people voice, and finding a way to give young people voice. But 13 years ago, I was approached by um, my friends and colleagues, because I had been a longtime volunteer at KUNM, and they were going to start their youth radio project, and they needed somebody who could design it and implement it. So they asked me to join them. And in doing so, the cards just kind of fell in place in such a way that I actually got to design the project. And so I designed it very much as a social justice project, very much as a um, multiracial project. And race equity 13 years ago really wasn't like comfortable language, even here mm -hmm. in New Mexico. So we called it multicultural, that we were committed to multiculturalism. Mm -hmm. Now we can be very um, more open and talk about uh, systemic racism and structural racism and how it's so important to have a multiracial group of human beings who are committed to working together and learning together. So it's about building leadership in New Mexico. It is about um, building um, a better New Mexico. Young people through this project are absolutely learning to harness power and they are learning to uh, do public speaking, they learn to write well, they learn to deliver well, they learn to analyze and research. So all of those are critical skills that get transferred into any other field. Mm. We, at this point in time, absolutely have young people who have gone into journalism 
working in other public radio stations across the country, working at NPR even. Mm -hmm. We have people who have gone into education. We have lots of people who have absolutely continued their activism, as that's one of the other things we do with young people, is that a lot of times it's we have been the first experience for young people to go to a protest or go to a rally mm -hmm. to experience what that is like. Sometimes we just go as participants, and sometimes we go as the media makers. But we're wanting young people to have both experiences. Mm -hmm. Planting those seeds early on in their lives and just seeing where it, where it goes after this. So Chris has something. Um, I was just going to say, what are from what we've read already, there's a lot of different th skills that uh, students are learning and, and youth are learning. What have you learned or what's been kind of the most helpful, um, the most helpful skill that you've picked up? I would say out of all the core values, I think love just resonates just so deeply and it's so grounding, I think, in all our work. I think it just resonates. It just, you can see our love. You can hear our love. Um, it's truly amazing. The community that when we come together, it's just, it's like, it's in love. And we when we go out and we, we ask people to come into our office and we interview them for video and talk to them about resiliency, and you can just see their love and just see the mm -hmm. engaging going back and forth, um, even in radio um, and, and, and how we choose to engage with the people in the in the station and it's just in the work that we do and, and the words we choose i think it's all just rooted in love um, i recently just came back from vietnam i received uh i will say i received a fulbright scholarship um, mm. and i went to vietnam to teach english to college students and kindergartners um, and that was one of the key principles that i knew that i was bringing from generation mm. into my work was that everything i did was rooted in love when i was up at two o'clock in the morning and didn't <laughs> want to do it and didn't want to get up at 6 30 to teach um, it was in love yeah. it was because of this because of the work because i know the impact um, and how it resonates and i give them love and in them doing their work and you can see their english proficiency increasing it's their love and i was like this love has given been given to me since generation justice and so um, i think that was one of the most powerful and impactful uh core values that we have is love well one of the skills that we all come with it's like our backgrounds like just the things that we've seen and like what we've been through it's like we all want change and that what kind of brings us together it's because the change that we want it's what brings our community together and just makes us strong because we both are fighting for the same reason so why should we fight mm -hmm. that's basically what we do because there's no reason to fight if we're fighting for the same reason so we just kind of work together in that same way because we both want that change so we kind of have both in hand in hand what we want to do so we kind of build off there and that's what skills we bring to generation justice and that's what we can work together as community yeah and I, I'll just answer a little bit too. I think that um, Nicole hit it on um, the nail on the head that we're sent. We center our work in love, and so from a racial equity perspective, and racial equity from looking at it from an asset perspective, um, young people of color and adults of color. Um, particularly in New Mexico, because the history of New Mexico is that it's been colonized and colonized and then recolonized. And we have current day 21st century recolonization that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that pain of colonization runs very, very deep in our psyche, in our historical uh, cellular bodies, what we learned from our grandparents and what they learned from their grandparents in terms of survival on this land. And so part of what we do at Generation Justice with young people and use media for is to help decolonize young people's minds and young people's hearts. And so the like the remedy to colonization is love, is empowerment, is community, is the ability to speak up and to be heard and, and to be respected mm-hmm. once you speak up. And so those are the things that we're doing at Generation Justice in a very, very intentional way so that young people, um, whether they have that language and that vocabulary of decolonization, but decolonization is happening so that when they're confronted with racism, whether it's subtle or overt, they understand it and they can make a conscious choice about how they want to address it. And one of the things I think that's so important is that young people through Generation Justice really learn to love themselves because that is like medicine to colonization. That's the counter of being colonized, is loving yourself no matter who you are, where you are, uh, what is happening in your life, whatever decisions you've made. The other piece of that is learning to love their own histories. So sometimes we have young people who have come to us as journalism fellows from the university, um, and they're very, very geared already in journalism. And journalism is kind of this, uh, it comes from a hierarchical kind of perception that I'm the journalist, I'm going to interpret your story, et cetera, so forth. You are my source. Uh, you are the subject. And so we deconstruct all of that for journalism students and for all of our young people that they need to look deeper in terms of our community and how we serve community. And they are not above the people that we interview. In fact, they are to be humbled because this individual has trusted us with their story. Mm-hmm. And this is not a source or a subject. This is an individual who is trusting us and the community trust is really important so when young people go through that process what happens is they fall in love both with their own histories and a lot of the young people are coming from journalism have never taken a Native American class a women's studies class a Chicano studies class at the university so we push young people to understand their um, their history and to go through ethnic studies as well and that's some of the interdisciplinary I think that Nicole was really earlier Um, so two things they learn to love their own history as part of that journey to loving yourself and then they fall in love with our community and you have young people all across the country it's like part of a developmental phase for young people to say ah there's nothing to do here this place sucks i wish i lived in california right Right. and so when you have young people who are like oh my god i love this community Mm -hmm. and i know this person and that person and this person and that teacher and that administrator and that president and they actually know their community and they love their community and they're loved back it really shifts mm-hmm. power. It shifts everything. Developing a sense of self and a sense of place 
um, and that's that's where that where that love grows, right? And and to hear the way that you started the program was based out of love, and you know, for your daughter, mm-hmm. right? And then you you had this Nicole. You, you probably started pretty early on after that. Is that math was never my strong suit, right? <laughs> and now it, it continues to be passed. I mean, there's a culture of love that's that's been been passed all along you talked about how intentional that is in in terms of kind of how that happens but kind of person to person how does that work so how do we do this yeah like how do you do that i mean like how how do you mentor you're now you've Uh, gone from being a kid to being a a mentor in in this am am i hearing that right so like how Uh, does that work for you um i just make it intentional like at every opportunity that i can come back and volunteer and be present with the youth i do Mm -hmm. um because what Roberta provided for me was just so grounding and profounding and it got me through college and it allowed me to be successful because I was very insecure in my engineering because I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me. So uh, I struggled even with my love then. But I think, I think because you supported me and you empowered me um, and it was just so vital for me to grow and even to step out of my comfort zone and allowed me to be uncomfortable. Um, I feel like everybody needed this. This is just this process of mm-hmm. growing and, and it's necessary. And so if, if you can provide this for me and you've given this to me, I think the whole thing with learning is that you must teach. Once you learn, then you teach. Once you teach and then you're also learning. Mm-hmm. So any opportunity I'm invited to come mm-hmm. into Generation Justice, um, I show up because I've learned um, and I think it's now, it's my, I feel like it's a sense of responsibility, but it's also mm. something that I love to do, is also to engage and to teach. Um, I love youth. Um, so yeah, I just that's I just show up. I guess that's how I perpetually <laughs> love, show, show up. That's and a big part of it. Show up and be show you. Show up and respect the youth and their yeah. opinion and, um, and give them that space to speak their voice and maybe not everything is great or correct, but mm-hmm. that's okay, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be. Um, and let them know that's okay. So yeah. I, I love what you said about the kind of that process of like learning and then feeling like you need to teach it and then learning again. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe for both of you, as you've been around this longer and been working part of this longer, what things are you learning or what have you learned recently from some of the youth that have been part of this community? So even from doing this work for 23 years, I mean, I always coming from a grassroots organizing background, it's that, you know, it's not hierarchical, it's always circular. And so um, you called it flat, but I think it's really about being in a circle. And so the young people have always taught me. But um, every new, like, not generation, because we don't quite have generations, but um, like this young people that are right now active and wanting to become active. We have a lot of 13, 14, 15, and 16 year olds right now in our cohort. And so Quincy is a great example of that, is that young people are faced right now with such painful life experiences, with such a calling to take action in this in this country and probably in this world. So it's like young people like Quincy who are taking up the mantle of social justice in ways that other activists and organizers um, haven't necessarily done in the same way. Um, the, the reality that we have the internet and that there's all these other tools also changes the game. 
And so young people are empowered just by that, and they're powerful with those tools. Mm -hmm. And so they teach me all of the time. So I'm not like super techie, and so they laugh at me sometimes <laughs> um, in the office, and they're patient with me. But they're teaching me, and I think they're teaching other generations about how to use those tools to be powerful to make a, and to make a difference. The other thing is that every time you're working multiracially and multiculturally, every young person comes to the table um, with a different family set. And so, I mean, both of these young people at our table today um, come here with a very beautiful and complicated uh, family backgrounds. And so them sharing with me and others in Generation Justice their own history, their own family makeup, their own um, heart, both heartbreaks and family successes and who their ancestors were, um, continue to teach me as like the young at heart one, like late 50s doing this work still um, I continue to learn every day and so that's the thing about being in a circular type of environment that um, if you're open every day is going to be exciting and interesting and you will be educated yeah basically what generation justice is built off of is like relationships because your first impression when you get there it's friendly and they treat you like family when they get inside the door. And like they ask you, are you any refreshments? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? We got snacks over here. <laughs> I mean, they treat you like your family. And then they get you situated. What's going? What's the game plan for today? What's going on? This is what we can do. Are you guys okay if you guys work together? And I mean, they check in with you and like they built that sense of family. And it's really important because 75% of children nowadays, they grow up without a father or a father role. And I am part of that 75%. And basically, people uh, people of color have more higher chance of that. And that's basically what Generation Justice is. It's like a multi-culture pl place that you go to. And everybody else is going to like have different stories. They might have a dad. They might not have a dad. But either way, they still want to treat them like family when they come in the door. Mm -hmm. Actually, I had a question for you Quincy uh, you came and you experienced family you know a family atmosphere here but I also heard uh, Roberta talking about you're like a teacher have you thought of yourself as a teacher in this I am a teacher in some ways but not in most ways I do like teach kids around my school like I do I see kind of like being troublemakers like I used to but like hey um I don't want to me like be the mean guy, but like can you like change something up? And I mean, I'm not asking <laughs> you to do it, but change something up. But then I do have five brothers, and again, like their fathers aren't really there for them, so I kind of took up that father role when I was mm. five. And I mean, I always kind of been like their father role, and I always kind of been like the dad. So I am like a teacher to many, but I try to be like the big brother. I don't want to be like the teacher. <laughs> so I think he's asking you too, Quincy, do you realize that you have been my teacher? Everyone's a teacher. We all learn off, we all learn off each other. So you have been my teacher. And, you know, Quincy's the kind of human being that um, he just celebrated his 16th birthday. 
And for his birthday, what he wanted to do was um, run a campaign that he put together pretty much on his own called Hydrate the Homeless. And so he, instead of getting gifts, got us and his family and other organizations to give food and water. And he went out for 12 hours the first day. Yeah. For 12 hours on his birthday from like 8 in the morning till 9 in the evening um, um, to the major parks where people who are unhoused were and giving them food and water and treating them with respect. And then he had so many supplies donated to him that he had to do it a second day. Mm -hmm. So that's like teaching about such a deep level of compassion and so, you're my teacher. Yeah, the reason why I started Hydrate the Homeless was because my birthday was coming up and I wanted to do something different than going out to eat or going to the movies and seeing something and wasting about 80 bucks of hard-earned money. Instead, <laughs> I, um, instead I um, gathered up a thousand water bottles and a thousand granola bars. That was all um, raised and it was all donated because I put a post on Facebook like, hey, this is what I want to do for my 16th birthday. Does anyone want to help? And right away I got volunteers and donations the next day and I, I was looking at it and I was like, all right, this is going to be a big thing. And I asked for my friends at school because we have a boys group that wants to do the same exact thing and have change. So they helped me as well. And we earned up a thousand water bottles, a thousand water bottles, and a thousand canola bars. And altogether, we served about 500 homeless people. Mm -hmm. And out of that 500, we saw about 50 homeless kids. And that was really hard mm -hmm. on me because last year, during the school year and summer, I was homeless too. And just kind of jumping to motel to motel, not knowing if I was going to stay under a roof or knowing if I was going to be alive tomorrow because it is dangerous out there in the mm -hmm. streets. But that's something we're trying to change also and i don't know it just when no one when i was out there no one really volunteered to help i kind of see how hard it is for homeless people and i kind of want to make that change so i was always taught like if you want that change you have to be the change mm -hmm. yeah, i think one of the things that we talk about a lot is um you know there's a lot of things that the world needs and um at, at the end of the day the only thing that uh, makes those things exist is that someone sees it and decides I have the capacity in one way or another to make that a little different and maybe not fix the whole thing or whatever, but, um, just kind of that, I think that creative impulse of, uh, I mean, I, I think about that a lot as a, as, as being creative. I, um, I'm a musician and, um, so I think about a lot of things through that lens, but at, at the end of the day, it really is, I think for me to say, like, I wish that existed and, and you can, you can wish it or you can, take small steps or you can like donate your whole birthday. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's really awesome. Thinking about the number of people that, that would, that were impacted by that. And that's, that's amazing. And the message that your life sends to your peers at school who might say, well, it would, wouldn't it be nice if and you actually just did it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. My whole school, it's, um, it's a school that like was built off a change because instead of doing the traditional things like going to learn this, we learned our own history and what we went through. And once you have knowledge of what you went through and you kind of see the problems in it, you kind of see the, 
we kind of see that you want the change. And basically, everyone has an idea at the school, but we try to encourage everyone to express those ideas. Like, I have a thousand ideas in my head, <laughs> but we just need time to get them started and see how can we impact and how can we grow on these ideas and what can we do mm -hmm. to make this a better place. Today you received uh, an award and we're meeting at the end of a day that you've been at a conference and received a significant award. I'd, I'd love to hear about it. So the award is the um, 2018 Spirit of Hope Direct Service Award. And it's awarded to people who have provided direct service that have made a change in New Mexico. Mm. So the award came to me but I also wanted to include Generation Justice in the award. And um, yeah, it just means a lot to me. And so the, the story I started saying earlier, the 23 years ago, when I decided I wanted to work with young people, so a job manifested, and it was running the statewide youth program, and it was with this same organization. Oh, wow. So, um, and and one of the other people who was honored, the legislative uh, leader that was honored today, was my boss, who hired <laughs> me for that job. And so, um, this today was like a day of a full circle mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. of where really cool. I made an intention, it manifested, and, um, you know, 23 years later, I am doing the love work of my life. My daughter is 25, and she's brilliant and beautiful and works at a national level in media policy in Washington, D.C. Um, so I feel like all of those fears that I had about being a single mom and taking care of my daughter, like, we did well. Um, yeah, today's just kind of a recognition that 23 years have passed and and Creator and God has, you know, blessed me in so yeah. many ways that I have, am able to do this work. It's very, um, it's just a blessing. Not everyone gets to say that they've lived their life and a big part of their life doing what they want to do. And so I'm just honored and blessed and um, for you all sitting at this table and for your listeners, um, I cry all the time. In Spanish, we have a word um, that's actually a, like a horror story that we all grew up with uh, <laughs> called La Llorona. And like La Llorona comes and takes little children. And so I want to make clear that I'm not the Llorona, but I'm just a Llorona. Um, <laughs> um, and young people are taught a lot of times that it's not okay to cry. Young men in particular are taught that it's not okay to cry. And at a certain age, most young people are told, like, like, don't be a crybaby or whatever. That kind mm -hmm. of narrative gets mm -hmm. stuck in people's brains. And so I learned along the way that if I want young people to feel healing and for them to be healed, I also have to, like, not cover up my tears when my heart is full of love. And that it's okay to show emotion. That it's okay to be with what you're feeling at that very moment. Um, so there are a number of young people that are at Generation Justice so that when they're presenting, they will also cry a little bit. And I just think like it's a beautiful thing and it's a part of the illustration and the proof of healing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
thank you all so much for sharing your stories yeah. and your time and uh we really appreciate that you make some time for some strangers from Minnesota to show up and <laughs> randomly, randomly uh, talk with you guys. But I don't know that it was so random. I mean, just when I was when we knew we were going to be in Albuquerque and we had some plans that fell through, and we're like, "Oh, no, we're going to be. What are we going to? Who are we going to talk with?" And I found your website, and I'm so impressed with what you're doing and the, mm-hmm. what the future holds for you guys. So, and so, thanks for that, and thanks for teaching us about it. Yeah, so, yeah. thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. As we began our conversation with Generation Justice, Roberta said, we do not interpret stories, we listen to them. I really appreciate those words and that important reminder. I am also so thankful for Quincy, Nicole, and Roberta for their time and their insight. We only sat with them for a few minutes on a busy day and we were inspired by their stories of love, empowerment, and community. Their work is done one person at a time, one day at a time, one story at a time, and they are changing lives and changing the world. And it all begins with the kind of listening that is rooted in love. So a question to hold on to today. What would that kind of listening look like for you in your daily walk? How might intentional, focused listening and curiosity lift up and affirm another person? How can listening make you a conduit of love? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. And a special thanks to Roberta, Nicole, Quincy, and the Generation Justice team for sharing their time and insight with us today. To learn more about Generation Justice, check out their website, generationjustice.org, or check them out on social media. And to stay up to date with all the things that we've got going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And we'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think about the podcast, and please take a moment to let us know what you wonder about. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and join in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.